It's a good show. Hey. Hey. So this is uh, this is saving the world, as you know. I'm Lucas. I'm Barry Ross Rothbart, and uh, we have this, an incredible guest today. We have the first in a three-part series um, of probably the most important guests we've ever had. Uh, I don't know in if you our know lives, in not our just lives. on this podcast. No, ever on yeah. any podcast. Uh, this upcoming November, on the sixth of November, uh, as you should know, is uh, a midterm election. Uh, day and it is a a uh, some people are saying it's going to be a huge referendum on the current Trump administration and we for the next three weeks are going to be talking to three candidates who are hoping to flip seats from red to blue and today we have uh, an incredible candidate an exciting candidate from the district right above L A mm-hmm. um, uh, Katie Hill California's twenty fifth district Katie Hill she's uh, the daughter of a cop and a nurse she's from the 25th district she went to public schools her whole life she talks about why she's maybe the most electable candidate ever she's and she's been endorsed by um uh, president barack obama emily's list uh emily's list she's been endorsed by um uh, bernie sanders she's been endorsed by all all the democrats that you need you need someone to endorse mm-hmm. and she's running in a seat that has been republican 40 out of the last 50 years so this would be a huge huge against the real shithead a real shithead uh steve knight who's yeah. a real dingbat who doesn't we don't, support, we don't get political here we but. don't get political we're nonpartisan, but he doesn't support same-sex marriage and he's a dingbat dickhead who doesn't deserve to be in any sort of elected office which was a great alliteration yeah thank you uh, uh so, so Tune in. This yeah. is an incredible conversation. It's a shorter episode, so it's not, it's fun. It's quick. Let's go smoke some weed. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Saving the world with Barry Rothbart and Lucas Neff. I heard some good news, Katie. I heard that uh, you're up in the polls right now. Is that true? We in are. California's 25th, we are. right? Yay. I, uh, yeah. I actually, my wife and I, we canvassed for you uh, this Saturday. This is our, oh God, this is a positive you. sort of <laughs> disclaimer for the audience as well, just so you know where we stand. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good, a lot of goodwill, a lot of empty uh, houses with no one home, but a lot of the How ones that were there, they felt pretty positive. It's, it's awesome. not really a walking district, though. What is the 25th district no. like? I, 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 can you guys paint a picture for me, the 25th district of California? Yeah, so it's uh, it's suburban. Well, actually, it's an interesting district because it's 50% suburban, 25% urban, and uh, 25% rural. Which percent so, did you grow You grew up there, right? I grew up in an interesting combination of it. Um, I grew up in Rosemond, which I don't even know how you'd classify it. Probably suburban, but it's way out there. I mean, it's past Lancaster on the way to Mojave. I don't even know if you guys know what what words I speak, but it's kind of on your way to Vegas. Sure, I do. I'm familiar uh, with some of them. Mojave's yeah, so, nice. I'll tell you what I know about <laughs> Lancaster. It was it was where they shot Gwyneth Paltrow's head scene in Seven. Really? I didn't yeah. even know that. That's true. Uh, good to know. Anyway. Well, yeah, <laughs> Sorry. So, so I grew up in Rosemont, which is in the Antelope Valley, and that's a, it was a very small town right next to an Air, Air Force base. Um, and then I grew up in Santa Clarita, which is definitely the most suburban part of it. Um, Santa Clarita is actually now the third largest city in L.A. County. 
Wow. Uh, most people don't know that. It's where Six Flags Magic Mountain is, but it's it's totally it's also where Weeds was filmed. So it's it's literally like Yeah, the people who know. do my taxes live there. Oh nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's suburbia, classic suburbia. And then Simi Valley is pretty similar to that, Porter Ranch. Um and then the Antelope Valley is is more poor. It's um desert. It's uh it's a growing community, a lot of aerospace. Um it has yeah, it's 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 um I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it, but it's uh, different from the other two communities. It's further out there. It, uh, you know, people average their commute one and a half hours each way if they're coming from the Antelope Valley. Okay. So, um, so it's out some, there. Yeah, it's out there. But and yeah, so and and then in between, you've got these rural communities, which is actually where I live now. So I live in this little town called Agudolce, which is um, it's a thirty-five hundred person town. Um, where there are definitely more horses than there are people. Um, I have a horse and a goat and four yeah. rescue dogs and chickens and yeah. Wow. Um, I, I, I'm just curious. So the, for our listeners who don't realize it, maybe explain the political landscape of your district um, pre 2018. Sure. Yeah. So it's been held by a Republican for 40 out of the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. It is a, um, it's been kind of known as a Republican stronghold. It, actually is home of the Reagan library. It is, uh, we have the highest number of law enforcement professionals living in our district than anywhere across the country. Second highest number of veterans living in our district than anywhere across the country. Um, cops, firefighters, nurses, very middle-class, you know, working people, teachers, people who work in aerospace, um, that kind of feel to it. And so, yeah, you got uh, 40% of people in the district either own a gun or someone in their house owns a gun. And um, it's wow. just pretty much they're friends always... with gun, with, with uh, so, They're friends with someone who has a gun. Right. Exactly. Everybody is friends with someone who has a gun. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so it's just, it's always been conservative. And um, for someone like me and most, you know, many of the people I knew who are also Democrats, it, you, you pretty much felt like you were, you had to be a hidden Democrat. Like you didn't ever want to put a bumper sticker on your car that has, you know, for fear of being keyed or you just didn't talk politics. It was kind of one of those things. I remember when I was in, I, this may age me to some people, but when I was a freshman in high school, when um, the Iraq war started, I was, was going to protest one? it. <laughs> <It's like laughs> <one>. <laughs> um, I, we, there were a few of us, the more liberal kids in high school that went to protest it and, we thought we had all these people like that were going to do it with us. And, and then, I don't know, we were going to, whatever they told their parents. And then we, there were like five of us. So yeah, that was kind of the feeling of, um, that it would never possibly be democratic until this past election cycle when Hillary Clinton won the district by seven points. So then it became clear like, Oh wait, no, this really can change. Uh, so maybe explain. So in 2016, when uh, Trump was elected at the time, did you know you wanted to run for office or, or was that kind of a it, it was uh, it was later than that? Yeah, well, it was definitely that was kind of the what got the the wheels turning, I guess. Um, so I had worked at PATH, People Assisting the Homeless, mm-hmm. and we'd worked on a ballot measure uh, called Prop HHH. So it was a historic ballot initiative, $1.2 billion. Uh, we passed it the same day that Donald yeah. Trump got elected. We I remember voting for it. Oh, nice. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I did too. But mm-hmm. it was supposed to be this huge celebration. And yeah, a little bit muted. A little bit muted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the next day, everyone was in my office 
crying, saying, what does this mean for us? What are we going to do? We've got Trump as president, a Republican-held House and Senate, who's, you know, they've made it perfectly clear that their first priorities are to gut the very programs that our organizations and the people we serve depend on, in many cases, to survive. Um, And I didn't have a good answer, except for that we needed to work on, you know, really ensuring that we had the local resources. Um, That included getting Measure H onto the ballot, which we got onto the March ballot. And in between, I decided I wanted to get involved in flipping the house in whatever way I could. So I, like many, many people across the country, watched the pitifully small inauguration mm-hmm. um, and then the Women's March. And then shortly after that, I found a website called Swing Left. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to find out you know, what my closest swing district is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get involved in a congressional race in some capacity. Let me look up my, you know, put my zip code in and see what's nearby. Uh, again, you got to remember, I'm thinking like, okay, well, it couldn't be my district because my district's always going to be Republican, right? Like, yeah, there's no way. Of course. So and you were going to go to a nearby district and just help. That was my help. Yeah. That was my assumption. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so then I put in my zip code, and my zip code, like, it pops up. It's like, oh, your district, the 25th district, is the closest swing district. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how cool! I'm going to get involved in a local race, like my own district. And um, then I look around, and I'm like, who's running? And there was nobody running. And this was in February, uh, so early February oh of, of this 2017. year, 2017. Yeah, 2017. 2017, yeah. okay. And so I'm like, okay, well, someone better, someone better get in there soon. It's, you know, this is going to be a tough district to flip. We've got to get to work ASAP. <laughs> and I am um, looking around, and then I start to find out that most likely the person who was going to run was the one who ran the last time around and lost by six, even though Hillary Clinton won by seven. And so, you know, I, I voted for the guy last time around um, because I was going to vote for the Democrat, but I also didn't think that he was the kind of person who could beat a uh, Republican want, in our district. You didn't want to double down on, on losing money. No, no. And I, so I'm complaining to people about this, right? I'm like, you know, we need somebody who can, who can talk to police officers, who can really, you know, have an understanding of the veterans' issues, who kind of gets this community. And he was somebody who moved into our district in order to run. And that happens a lot um, in districts like this because you need you need a lot of resources. You need money to be able to run a congressional race. And oftentimes uh, people who are from these communities simply don't have those kinds of connections. They don't have the ability to raise money from their friends and family. And so you get, you know, people who, who kind of are shopping for a district, so to speak, who have always wanted to run for office and they'll find a district like this and, you know, that, that is relatively common, but so I'm complaining about this, right? And I'm talking to some, some friends who I know in county politics and finally they're like, Katie, you're complaining an awful lot about this. Like, why don't you run? And I laugh at first. And, and then I, um, I go to take a shower because that's, you know, how you <laughs> make decisions. Yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> absolutely. And so I, I start thinking about it and I'm like, well, I, first of all, my dad's a cop, my mom's a nurse, and I'm pretty much like the perfect profile of somebody in this district. Um, every generation of my family has served in the military going back to the Revolutionary War. I grew up riding horses. I live on two and a half acres with my little farm. Um, I've lived in both of the major communities, two, two of the three major communities in the district, went to all public schools, and I have a pretty, you know, a pretty, uh, uh, I don't know, um, I guess, impressive career, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, in terms of... You almost actually... seem like you were designed to be electable. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> in, in your it's district, like a, you feel like it, the schematic of electable, perfectly electable person for this district. It's kind so, of yeah. crazy. I know. And and so sometimes, and then, you know, if, even if I have some of these stories that you're just like, it 
almost feels like did you I ever have, made this up. Did you ever like as a kid have political aspirations or was it something that just sort of like these these uh, series of, of instances and events kind of led you uh, blindly to this moment or, or did you have aspirations before of any kind, like even whimsically? Yeah, well, it, so it's funny because I, I definitely as an adult and, you know, high school on didn't have any kind of aspirations like this. Um, I actually originally was planning on becoming a nurse. Like my mom and both grandmothers shifted in a different direction, went into the nonprofit sector. But when I was a, a small kid, my grandfather was a UCLA political science professor. And so I started talking politics when I was like two years old, as soon as I could talk. And, um, I remember, you know, paying attention to the 1992 presidential elections and a funny story. I, uh, so my dad's a lifelong Republican. The first time he ever voted for a Democrat was when he voted for me in June in the primary. <laughs> uh, nice. And, or so he said. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. No, no, no. I, I fully believe him. Oh, okay. He's, uh, he's <laughs> recruiting his friends and, um, but yeah, and then my mom was always a Democrat, and so I remember until she voted Republican grandpa. against you. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I remember talking to my grandpa, especially to both of my parents too, in the 1992 presidential elections, and I'm like five years old, and I'm just you know trying to figure out the difference between the two candidates and the difference between Republicans and Democrats, and I felt this like very serious decision was ahead of me when I went to the polling place with my parents, and I remember like standing with them, and the, there was a, an actual line at the polling place. This was back when I was living in Roseland, and um, I I had to decide at that point whether I was going to be a Democrat or a Republican, <laughs> and I was a daddy's girl as a kid, but I went in with my mom, and from that point on, I was a Democrat. So wow. anyway, yeah. Um, so how, how do you, how do you, <laughs> do you, would you say that, um, how, how did your politics, um, start to differ from the people around you or did you, did you grow, did you move further to the left as your district did? Or would you say that there was like a, was there, was there a shift in the politics of your district? Yeah. Well, so I think a couple things. One is, you know, I, I, have been, I guess, fairly, uh, my whole family, I would say has been pretty progressive on the social issues for, you know, most of my life. Like, like I said, my, my grandfather was a UCLA professor. Um, my mom was a nurse. My grandfather right, well, it was, was very popular. Nurse. It was very popular in the nineties to be a fiscal conservative. Right, I right, feel right. like that was yeah. like a very big thing to say that you were Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a yeah, small, like that... a small C conservative or something like right, that. Right. Right. I don't, and I don't know that my family was even on that vein, but the reason my dad was always, you know, considered himself a conservative was because of supporting the military and believing that Republicans supported the military more so than Democrats and, um, and law enforcement. Right. And so you just kind of got it, it became a thing that, that cops and, and veterans were more Republican than not. Um, so, I think, uh, but yeah, I would say that my, my politics had, I, I remember in, you know, junior high, we had the, the 2000 election and, uh, we had a mock election and I remember very, very ardently being on the side of Gore at that point. And so like, you know, I've been, I've been pretty, I was just, there was, I was in a smaller minority yeah. of people, I would say. Um, but I also Gore, think that Gore needed to be ardently on the side of Gore. I think that was the whole problem. <laughs> I, know. Right? I know. I remember actually <laughs> one of my friends, one of my good friends was, uh, when we did this little mock election and 
uh, it was she she was voting for Nader, and I was so mad at her for <laughs> voting for Nader as if it yeah. like actually mattered at the school. And then it, sure enough, it mattered, but not at school, obviously. Oh, but going back to I had a couple of things I wanted to revisit real quick. So one was you asked about political aspirations yeah, yeah, earlier, yeah. and um, it must have been around the same time I was having this little experience. Uh, but in it was in preschool or kindergarten. I ended up getting voted. And I don't even remember talking about this, but I remember I, my mom loves to tell the story that I got voted the most likely in the class to become the first female president. And, oh, wow. And, and so, and this is, this is, you know, horrible, but like my mom said that the day after when, you know, we, when Hillary lost, my mom said, she said to my stepdad, she's like, well, I guess Katie's still got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many women thing. across the country thought that. Too. that oh, uh, my God. Their daughters could but, be. No, that you're like, I still got it. Still, there's a still so a chance oh that God. I could be the first. Yeah. Yeah, I guess silver linings, no, I, right? It's not, it's not a personal uh, aspiration of mine, but my mom. My mom That's adorable. That, That's then, really nice that your mom thinks that. And then, uh, and then on the other, the other thing, back in terms of deciding to do this when I was showering, I finally, the other thing that really made a difference for me was basically saying like, okay, I've got this profile. I know that this is something that could, could be sellable in this district, but also women, you know, make up less than 20% of the seats in Congress. And one of the biggest reasons for that is that women usually have to be asked multiple times to run. Whereas guys, you just say, Hey, I'm going to run for office and no one thinks twice about it. So I decided that, you know, I think we, I think it's been more clear even since I decided to run, but it was clear to me even then that we have to change that dynamic and that we'll never get to true equality until we get to equal representation. And, um, and so I decided that I was going to do it. So if we passed measure H then I would announce if we passed measure H March 7th, the next day was international women's day, March 8th. And that's when I announced. Did you, did you already have a team together by that point? No. So, um, I, so it was when I, after that shower, I decided to kind of talk to all the people I knew who might know something about how you would do something like this. And I, um, you know, I, this was an epic shower, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm guessing this was a hot shower, not a cold shower <laughs> yeah, situation. No, no. Yeah. It was, I make most of my key decisions in life within 15 minute periods, you know, okay. that's how it goes, uh-huh. but it's a joke, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but, uh, so I decided to reach out to some people who I knew, knew these kinds of things and, um, sit down with them and say like, okay, well, what would it take? Who do I need to talk to? So on and so forth. And so one of them, uh, that I knew ended up connecting me with a few different political consultants. Uh, I talked to a couple of them. Another one ended up connecting me to, um, a couple of different like female politicians that I was able to pick their brains about. Um, and then I ended up going to Washington DC, uh, for a, a trip with path in early February or no, maybe it was late January. And, um, no, 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 sorry. It was, it was later in February. And, uh, and then I actually met with Emily's list while I was there. And, um, and basically I kind of, by the time that all that had happened was while I was in DC, I, I, after I met with Emily's list, I, I had the conversation with the consultants, uh, the consultant team that I, I still work with, which is Bill Burton with us, Katie Nicker, Knickerbocker, Bill Burton was, uh, he was one of the key spokespeople for Obama. And, um, he was one of the, I don't know, the first three or four people who worked on Obama's campaign. And, um, I just like, I really hit it off with them and I was like, I want to work with them. And I basically decided that, okay, let's get let's get everything in order in case we do pass measure H. Um, and so we started, we started from there and, uh, yeah, so I had my, I had my basic campaign consultant in place and then 
from there, I ended up, um, you have to put, you know, you have to put a whole team together. You end up putting together fundraising component, pollster, right. digital, you know, eventually you hire a campaign manager. And, and you made a choice a pretty... to not take corporate money um, early on, correct? That was my, I mean, I basically had some kind of founding principles that yeah. I was set on uh, from the very beginning. And one of them was not taking corporate money. Um, um, I, I'm curious. So now that, you know, you know, you're running and you, you, you kick off an election at some point, when, when do you start uh, really considering how your priorities will, will be when you are in Congress and what your focus will be? And maybe explain, too, to our listeners, you know, what, besides the obvious, what will be the differences between you and Steve Knight and the way things have been? Yeah. So part of, I think, what, I don't know, I think it's so important about people running for office, really understanding their communities is that nothing much has really changed for me. I feel like I've had a, a very strong pulse on what I think is important to the people in my, in my district from day one. And I've said from day one that the, that the number one things that people care about are healthcare. It's rebuilding the middle class and it's about having a truly representative government that really cares about them and not about, you know, big corporations and special interests. And that has, been true. And my, I, I joke about it with my pollster and with my team, my consultant team now is that like, basically the polls have had to validate like what I've said from the very beginning. And so if there's a poll that happens where I don't get to say, I told you so, like there hasn't been one yet. And, um, and so, you know, we've found that those are exactly the priorities that people care about the most in our district. And that the messaging that I've said from the very beginning, too, which is that our political system is broken and that we have politicians in Washington who don't care about us because they care about partisan politics and, uh, you know, they're sold out to the highest bidder and, and everything like that, that that's, that's exactly the message that resonates. And I think the reason that I am aware of that is because that's just how people think, right? I'm not trying to find some poll tested message. I'm just, this is just how people feel. And, um, and so in terms of my priorities, there are ones that I feel like I, well, first of all, I think that the kind of this third segment of a representative government to me means bringing like integrity back to government and, Part of that means getting big money out of politics, building a government and a political system that people can trust again, um, ensuring voting rights, making sure that you know, people actually have a voice and that it's not just pay-to-play politics and that we're really addressing like the corruption in Washington. I think that that has to be kind of the founding principle on which uh, everything else is built. Because if you have just this huge influence of money in politics, then you're never going to be able to truly address any of the other issues, right? Whether right. it's dealing with the environment or healthcare, this big big oil is driving the decisions around the environment that of course we're never going to address climate yeah. change. Are if there... health insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies are driving the conversation around healthcare reform, healthcare reform is never going to happen. So that's the first thing that I think we need to really show uh, when we get into Congress, when Democrats get into Congress, we need to say this is our commitment to being the party of the people uh, is working on these reforms first, passing some major legislation on these reforms, and then we'll get to work on uh, these other issues. Uh, yeah. Are, are there any, uh, uh, like, uh, to follow up on what Barry said, are, are, are these positions, are, are there, is there a, is there a clear way you could contrast yourself with, uh, your, your opponent in the election, Steve Knight? I mean, literally every possible way. <laughs> like, so for example, uh, let's see, you know, when it comes to money and politics, like he has made it absolutely clear that he he'll take money from anyone um he votes with 
the with the corporations that are funding his campaign. Um, I, you know, like I said, we haven't taken any corporate money. Um, we have almost twenty five thousand individual donors who have donated to our campaign, and we've outraised Steve Knight consistently now. But the reality is that it's not his individual. It's not the fundraising specifically for his campaign committee that matters because he's got these outside interests, these independent expenditures that are funded by the Koch brothers and are funded by Paul Ryan's super PAC that are spending money on the attack ads against me. So, um, you know, what's it like to have an attack ad against you? What was that? What is that experience like? It's pretty funny. Um, the, the, the attack ad that they are running mainly against me now is some version of one that says I'm immature. So (laughs) it's, it's, uh, it's got images of me laughing and smiling and I feel like, Ooh, terrible. How how dare you laugh? It feels oddly sexist though. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and so I feel like if you're just watching it, like let's just say you're sitting in a bar or whatever, and you're not really paying attention, and uh, the Dodgers are on, and it's just coming in between, you just see me like laughing and smiling, and it's <laughs> Katie Hill, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't feel like this looks like a, an attack ad. I feel like this is just helping name ID, and everyone's like, oh, she looks nice. But um, anyway, yeah, that's the that's the main attack ad. And there's also like images of me wearing sunglasses and Nancy Pelosi wearing sunglasses. Oh. So if you both wear sunglasses, well, I'm out. I can't yeah. wear, I can't you wear the same candy, sunglasses. Yeah, do you wear the same? No, I don't. Okay. No, I, well, if she wears if she wears five dollar gas station sunglasses, then maybe. <laughs> Solid. We just do you have the wrap around, or you do do you have the ones that are just in the front? No, they're they're not wrap around. <laughs> not wrap around. Okay, just check it. No. Just show, just wanted to make sure. Um, yeah. Um, are, is there any piece of uh, legislation or issue that you're most excited to tackle? Were you to win? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's hard because there's so many that I want to tackle and mm-hmm. I'm really passionate about healthcare, but the one that I know that I have a unique perspective and expertise in, and that is that desperately needs a new perspective on is on affordable housing and homelessness. It's one of the number one issues facing our state, our community, um, and even our country. And if all 435 people in Congress and hundred senators, we don't have anyone that has that kind of background. And so um, to really be able to go in there and, and offer some real solutions based on my experience on the ground, based on my work with how, you know, affordable housing developers and with the nonprofits and uh, social services sector that have been working on this issue, uh, I know that I'm going to be able to help drive some serious legislation on that front. And, um, and I think that that's, that's something that we desperately need. I mean, if we don't do something dramatic around it in the next, I, you know, couple of decades, we're going to see a massive crisis on our hands. I do feel, I feel like this, that, that is an issue that has the best chance of bipartisanship. It, it doesn't agree. feel like a part, like a partisan issue that requires a, a partisan solution as much as say some other sort of, uh, sectors of, of, you right. know, the body politic m- might necessitate right. or might, Im- 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 especially imply. if it, if the Senate is, uh, is the other party and you know there's yeah, a split, we have a split, split congress, congress. Um, um, I agree. final question before we get to our segment because we, uh, have we know, you're, we know you. your your time is very valuable you know you're mm-hmm. you are running for office <laughs> thanks <laughs> i'm really bad at segues um they're not easy barry gives me so much <laughs> shit about my terrible segues they're not easy just so you know i'm just yeah. marking this now a little bit of sympathy of the future okay? i'm terrible um, at segment segues i mean if you could just quickly tell us you know what is, you're you're in the in an election that has uh a, a way wider um appeal or a way wider interest than most congressional elections and 
do you feel like there's like a uh, th- there's a lot of resonance with people around the country with your election? Um, are, are you hearing that, you know, that that you represent something bigger than just your district? I mean, how does that oh, yeah. how's that feeling? Yeah, I mean, there's no denying it, right? Like, yeah. this is one of the top races in the entire country. And you have, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be elected to be one of the people, the person to represent the people of my district, the 700,000 plus people in my district. But the 435 people in Congress vote on legislation that impacts the entire country. And whether or not Democrats have the majority affects the entire country in a massive way. And each vote that I take is something that's going to impact people all across the country. It's going to impact people in Los Angeles. It's going to impact people literally everywhere. And I feel like my voice is one that is going to play an important role in terms of being a voice for women, for members of the LGBT community, for survivors of, um, you know, sexual assault, for young people. And I think that for me personally, I, I take that responsibility very seriously. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, that would make me shirk any of my responsibility for representing the sure. people of the 25th district, but it's also at the same time, something I'm, I'm acutely aware of. And I think the, the responsibility of, of winning this seat is that much more important and of, um, you know, recognizing that I'm part of a movement and a cause that is so much bigger than just me or just my race. And I think so many of us, the candidates in, in these races like this all over the country, we, we're all very aware of it. Um, it's a tremendous amount of pressure. And I think we, but we know that we're on the right side of history and that when we get there, we're going to, we're going to have to work for every single person in this country. Great. That's a great answer. Uh, and that leads us to our segment that we it really, earlier. I, I really do agree, but, uh, you know, but I think uh, Lucas, this was... is very, this is a very exciting opportunity yeah. for you, Katie. Um, maybe more exciting than, uh, getting elected to Congress. You have the chance. <laughs> okay. To yeah, win this is our trademark segment. Point. Awesome. Um, it is the lightning round. round. Sorry okay, for yelling so... at you candidate. <laughs> okay. So this is, this is very clear. Um, uh, it's it's a simple five question round uh, to get to know you a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. All we ask is that you're honest. You have to be and honest. You have to wait until we ask all five before you start answering. Yeah, you'll have oh, gosh. thirty okay. seconds. You'll to have answer. a loose thirty a loose seconds. Thirty seconds. To you answer. don't have to answer in the order I ask them. You could ask answer them in any order. In any and order. If you don't you ask like. for any help, you will get a point. But you can ask for help. At some if you point. if okay. you need help to you will remember not point, the questions, though. you won't okay. get any points. Wait, look, should I write them down? No, or? no, no. no uh, that's I mean, cheating. you can, but don't tell us. Oh, okay. I won't write them down. Write really quietly. All we ask is honesty. Have one of your many and your many minions. Assistance, okay. interns. Nope, 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 I don't know the nomenclature okay. that I'm going to do. <laughs> okay, excellent. So, Katie, here we go. Here's our okay. lightning round. Lightning round, round one. Round one. The, only round. the only round. <laughs> okay, question one. Does change happen from the bottom up, top down, or middle outward? Two, if you could take any two people in the world on a journey with you to an unknown planet to represent Earth for a meeting with an unknown alien race, who do you choose? Three, donuts or churros? Be honest. <laughs> Four, your district has a Six Flags. Do you ride roller coasters? If so, are you scared a little bit right before the ride starts, or are you brave the whole way? Be honest. Five, what's the sweetest thing you've ever seen in your life? Emotionally sweet, not sweet tasting. Go. Okay. Bottom up. Okay. Uh, ah, okay. Middle outward didn't is... make much sense. <laughs> no, I get it. But um, bottom up, uh, the second alien race one is um, my 
my husband and my best friend. Um, oh. Not the same my... person, huh? Interesting. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> what? Can I ask why? <laughs> well, you don't know what's going to happen. You got to be with the people you love. Ah, <laughs> oh, you will feel good. more confident. I have, one of mine was um, Noam Chomsky, so I'm not going to answer. Noam? Yeah. I mean, you guys are distracting me. I'm sorry. Donuts. Donuts over churros. I would also take a yes, linguist. Yes, there is. We have Six Flags Magic Mountain in my district, and I'm definitely brave the whole way. Ooh. Um, I'm scared. I get scared a little. Uh, sweetest thing I've ever seen. Um, I've seen... Oh, that's so hard. Uh, well, the thing that keeps popping into my mind right now is there's this backpacking place that I go called Seven Lakes in uh, the Sierra Nevadas, and um, Sunset... I mean, yes, yeah, Sunset right around then you can't actually see the sunset because it's on the wrong side of the mountain. But like that time frame is just an incredible video. So, uh, that's an amazing thing. How, did I answer all four? You did. Yeah, yeah, you that's did. amazing. Really succinctly. Oh, no too. one, no one does it that well. I think that, that was, was incredible. That was within a tight 30 seconds. If you subtract our, our incessant distractions, there were good questions nice. and they were memorable. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I think um, the questions awesome. and answers were both great. That was incredible. So Katie, we, we asked all of our guests two final questions. This is okay. final, final. Yeah, this is the, these are okay. the final questions. The final question and then the final question. Okay. Um, and uh, okay. The, the first, I'll, I'll handle, uh, which is just <laughs> okay. that uh, we always ask our listeners who are very motivated people um, to listen up now. Uh, and our guests will have the opportunity, which is you, to name an organization, cause, or uh, one of those two things. Movement. Movement that our listeners can donate their time or resources to. And it can be you and your election, if you like. There could be more than one. There can well. be more than one thing. But if there's something you think our listeners would be wise to donate their time or resources to, uh, what would you say it would be? Well, I feel like if, if, I feel like, you know, to donate to this, if you want to donate to this, but I think the other thing would be, um, would be to pass. And the website for that is epass, www.epath.org. Um, incredible organization, hardest thing about running for office, but at least initially was, uh, leaving that work. Okay, great. Yeah. So check out path. It's people assisting the homeless. Um, it's the largest nonprofit in the state of California. Uh, if I'm uh, not working correct. on the issue of homelessness. Yeah. Working on the issue of homelessness. Yes, that's a, uh, great. Great. And our final question, final, final we ask question. all our guests, um, give us a reason to be hopeful. Why should we be hopeful? Because we are the change that is happening right now. This is, this is the moment. This is our generation standing up, and everything is possible to turn over right now. If we, if we get involved, if we vote, um, it's not going to happen easily. It's going to take a lot of work, a lot of time, but it's, it is happening at this very moment. And it's exciting to be at the forefront of it. I've seen it and I, and I can agree. Yeah. Thank awesome. you so much. Thank you for so much. I'm on, giving Katie. you actually another point for that answer. That's two points. Oh, That's two you. points. That's the most of any candidate Sweet. we've yeah, ever you're had. You're Steve Knight. He has zero. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you're up in the polls again. Oh, thank um, you guys well, so much. thank you so much, Katie. We uh, really appreciate we it. We appreciate your time and good luck. Thank you. And good luck. Have a good one. Okay, yeah, take bye-bye. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.